Hey, I'm Ty Snaith, and this is A World of One's Own, a series of conversations with women and non-binary artists I respect and admire. The episode you're about to listen to is from Season 1, which was originally called A World of Her Own. It was part of the exhibition Unfinished Business, Perspectives on Art and Feminism at ACCA. For more information about the podcast and the artists I'm speaking to in Season 2, head to tysnaith.com. And now, here's the episode. And also, you know, this, this thing about truth, this quest for truth, this quest for reality, yeah, I put my hand up, I'm, I'm one of them. <laughs> I, I still don't know what truth is, and I'm still looking for it, and um, I still believe in it, but it's, uh, it's very elusive. Hi, I'm Ty Snaith, and this is A World of Her Own, a series of conversations with Australian women artists I respect and admire. Today, I'll be dragging the past into the present with sculptor and visual artist Claire Lamb. Believe me, you would never think that dredging up dark memories could be so hilarious. Originally from Macclesfield in England, if you're wondering where that excellent accent's from, Claire is a total live wire. She's lived through so many interesting things and has a knack of using those experiences to produce her mesmerising and intriguing works, which all share her trademark of dark satire through an undeniably feminine lens. Today we talk about the mysterious processes of making work, how to keep a distance and allow the work to be what it is. As Claire says herself, letting the work reveal something beyond what we know. She's a very funny lady, so we start off by talking about humour. Thanks for joining me here today (laughs) and bringing your sense of humour with you. Something important, I think, to to your work. Sense of humour. I think maybe it's not taking things seriously or allowing something serious to be opened up so you can actually play around with it. Mm. And I think because humour for me is, it's a dark satire. I grew up being taken the piss out of, and that was a way of communication. By your parents or your peers? or uh, The whole community. It, Where did it, you grow it, up? Maybe just for people who don't uh, know. In the north of England, mm-hmm. so in a small town called Macclesfield. It's also... Um, something that you're tested by you know you've got to have a good sense of humor because you've got to be able to wear that criticism Mm. and it's a a, a strength of character Mm. and it's also a a brutal honesty Mm. and if it's dealt with through humor then you can also get pleasure out of it Mm. and pleasure is a big thing um I mean we've talked about this off record but the idea of joy and the joy of making and remembering that is a big thing for you um, I think I draw from the darker points of my memory, but then to communicate your ideas, then you, you have, okay, how do you say something that's really brutal and cruel? Humour kind of can cut through that. Mm. And so maybe it's more about finding a space where you can navigate the darker parts of your experience and humour allows that to be seen. Mm. No, but what about joy? Joy, joy. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the joy? Where's the joy? I suppose the joy is always a post thing. It's more, 
I think we talked about having fun, mm. you oh, know, fun, yeah. and joy I see as something um, that's very fleeting. Is it, well, having fun then for you, is that in making? Oh, I don't know. The last couple of years, I found it really excruciating. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember we talked about, oh, I just want to have more fun. Yeah. Um, and the white knuckle ride of making work. So, and what I'm, I think when I when I talk about fun, it's more in the that research where you just open, or you yeah. can go somewhere and you can just allow it to kind of wash over you, or you can take something in without having to think about where it's going. Yeah, and that's I think that's more the fun, you know, right at the start. Yeah, sort of, yeah. yeah, yeah. For me, that happens when I'm traveling. Yes, it's yeah. always always the best way. But then it was interesting because I've also talked to people about walking and how maybe that's sort of like poor man's traveling when you can't go traveling. Maybe if you can take some time to walk <laughs> and think yeah. about stuff almost through doing or something, those ideas sift down or something. Yeah, it's. Tra- it, like traveling, I suppose, or going somewhere where you you don't know the rules, you're vulnerable again, you can reinvent yourself, you can look with a different set of eyes. I think that's, yeah, that's joy. That's mm. joy, baby. That's joy, that's the start. And then you've <laughs> got to, like, give birth to it. And then that's the really hard bit. Yeah. And then the looking after afterwards, you oh, know, and yeah. the having to... Don't you just sell it then? <laughs> <laughs> If only. Imagine if you could just sell off your kids. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. Oh, no. But with artwork, it, with artwork, do you, I mean, on that, do you think that there is a sort of analogy between birthing something? Or like for you as a mother as well, how does that, do you feel that close to your work? I don't feel close to my work. I think that's why I can do it. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I'll set a set of circumstances that I can actually work through. So there is a structure, mm. but I don't want to know what I'm doing, really. I don't want to know what I'm going to give birth to. <laughs> but then then that's allowing it to be what it is and then try and... Um, you know, try and use the things that I have produced then for to kind of take me somewhere else. So for your last show that I saw that was at um, Akka, Mother Holding Something Horrific, what I really loved was sort of noticing, and I could be wrong, but noticing that there were parts from every sort of decade of your life or there were motifs or even real photographs from different parts of your life and that that's something that we don't see often presented in one work. Is that something that you did consciously? or? Yeah, it was, I suppose I was looking at time, not necessarily time. It wasn't a temporal work at all. I was looking at how the past, present and future is all, it's all present now. I suppose the past, present and future, past memories and past experiences are still present now. And if we look back at them, what some of those outcomes from that experience are both positive and negative and we can't go back and change them but we can actually take that experience and and I think I wanted I probably wanted to change some of those experiences so to play around with what I might have happened I don't have to be honest you know I was looking back over my a friend rang me the other day and asked Claire what was that course we did in in London it was a teaching course and I got out my, all my certificates and I realised that I'd lied to myself for such a long time. I thought I did really well in art. <gasps> and, <laughs> and you I didn't. Know, even my, my schooling, 
I, I got an E and an F and then, you know, oh. I went to my BA and I got a really low 2-2. And what gives you that impetus to keep going? That's a really good question that everyone, this comes up with everyone that I speak to. Because sometimes you get, you might get the E and the F. And what makes you keep going past then? Or what makes you, when there's no opportunities coming in, or you get a bad review, or someone, or just worse, silence, like nothing. What's the impetus? What pushes you through? I suppose, you know, it, it sounds ridiculous. I don't give a hoot about qualifications, I suppose it's what you get out of something. But what makes you keep making work? Or do you not feel like there's an option there? You have to keep making work. I feel I have an option and, so, and I have not made work for a while. I think it's really important to question what you do constantly. Mm. And I question even being an artist, not to the extent where then you don't go and do it. Mm. But sometimes, yeah, you have to step out mm. because it's not healthy for you at a certain time. Do you find, I mean, I find it tricky that balancing the, you know, all the personalities in art as you get older, you seem to sort of know more people and that thing that goes hand in hand with making and showing work is sort of like going to openings, talking to people. How do you deal with that? Because I find that pretty confronting sometimes. I think everybody's vulnerable in that situation. It's not easy. It's not easy to go and pontificate and talk about nothing for for three or four minutes and I think I have got to the point where I go and support my friends mm-hmm. and that's all I can do and, and, and for no other reason that it's exhausting them. it's exhausting and yeah. it's it's confronting sometimes and it's you know it's it's a social event so and on that I mean I know that we were I was saying that sometimes when I go to openings and and drink too much I get myself into trouble and I don't know do you ever find that experience yes <laughs> how do you deal with that because <laughs> I'm sure there are people listening to this that would think how do you keep not burning the bridges or not getting into trouble because part of what you do is take risks right and I want to take risks with my work but then sometimes that means you also take risks with your conversations or your um, personal life and there's a line isn't there I mean it's hard to keep those risks in check I think it's, yeah, it's a balance between um, self-preservation and letting go. And I need both. I don't think I'd be able to make work if I was a completely a complete nihilist. But I need to get to that point where sometimes I am not in control. And that's both in my work and in my life. And I find that is a hard thing to separate those things. Yeah, I'm not a professional in that sense. I don't know how to separate those two worlds. And Do you think that's what being a professional is? <laughs> I don't know. You know, someone who can actually go and perform. Mm, like switch you know, off the real them or something? Yeah, or perform. I mean, you know, having said that, everybody thinks that I am brilliant at it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, it, And what I mean by that is they think I'm performing all the time, but... It's just you... It's, yeah, and then when it gets uncomfortable, that's because I'm not comfortable. And then when that happens a few times, you just step out for a while. Because Take it, a break? Yeah, go and, you know. Just vanish. <laughs> Stay at home in front of the TV yeah. and rock slowly. Yeah. You know, I, no, when did it become not about the work? You know, know, when it, did it become about us being these people that have to be out there selling our wares and producing this kind of these relationships and dialogues and having said that I do think that's who I support I have support I support people I have a relationship with and 
I've learnt a lot through those relationships as well. So it's not, it's just when it starts to tip over. When it's more important than the work, for example. Yeah, yeah or when it, 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 you're, you're spending too many hours on that. Yeah. That's when you've got to make time for, to get back into a space which seems real. And for you, does, is the studio that space? Yeah, yes and no. This is, again, I love the freedom of that space of the research mm. and the inquiry. I find uh, because I'm working with different structures now like film and having to kind of produce large forms that I then play with, that starts to get... I don't I hate that management side of things, but mm. it's something that I've, I'm learning to deal with. As you get further into your career and more successful, I don't know, whatever that word is, but more um, prolific and more shows and bigger works like you are... Does that just come with spending a whole heap more money as well on, on making work? How do you manage that? Because that must be hard. You have to kind of make the work and hope that you'll get money afterwards. But not let that... And not, and not necessarily through selling, through actually then being able to apply for a grant or apply for something that will still not be limiting. So constantly taking a financial risk as well. Yeah, yeah. As part of... So, yeah, taking risks, again, is, is quite important. But then not letting that impinge on what you make. How I think I'm going to navigate that now, mm. because I think it is impinging on financially, I'm finding it very difficult. I think I, I, it's more time. So it's being, instead of kind of rushing in and doing, which uh, yeah. lots of even smaller projects or I'm just going to have to try and pool all those different smaller bits and maybe just work on one body of work for two years. Mm. Or I think that's the, uh, just, that's the only way I think I, can, I personally can get through yeah, it. that makes sense. So one thing that I've been asking everyone, um, well, you know, not just not ask, it's not like an interview, but um, just talking about what you find confronting about yourself, most confronting <laughs> about yourself. Well, we did say drinking too much, didn't we? That was that, and then turning yeah. into a monster. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I know that one. <laughs> what I find confronting is that I need to have the time to do that. I've also got a family. I've also got friends. I've also got a job. And what I find confronting is having to not be there. From your family? And friends, and it seems like at times you just you are just locked into this world. Uh, yeah, making an exhibition, and everything else gives. And unless you're surrounded um, with people that can handle that, because mm. I, I, well, why should they? Does your family understand that? I don't know. <laughs> Never asked them. <laughs> They must. They must. Oh, I think everyone gets pissed off, you know. Mm. I've never been a domestic goddess, but I've let go of all those things that I would get stressed about. So it, I've started... I know I can juggle my, my stress as well. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of guilt associated for women with prioritising a practice over all of that stuff, you know. But that's what you have to do, isn't it, if you want to have one? Yeah, you do, or you don't do it for a while, and then you come back with vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also okay, yeah. It's you know, it's, it, it, I'm not saying that either is right or either is wrong. I just know that sometimes you get so fragmented that it's not good for anything. Mm. Like spread too thin. Yes, yeah. 
So Claire, do you, do you consider yourself a feminist? Yeah, yeah I am. Yeah, for, so feminism for me is about equality. And what I mean by that is everybody, everybody. So I don't, I don't like tokenism either. No. I don't like this apologetic space. Do you think, I mean, I'm interested in what makes something a feminist work as well. Like I see your work as, as feminist in that it's about your life and your, and it's quite honest. It's quite open about different autobiographical aspects of your life, but also fictional, you know, f- fictional stories over that. Do you feel that, that, that there's a feminist aspect to your work or do you think that's just, just part of your, your understanding of being a woman? I think that's me drawing from that space of being a woman. And my experience being a woman through three different generations, uh, sorry, three different um, decades, decades. Mm. Uh, four different decades, five different decades. So it, it it's, but I'd I, I, be honest, in the 70s, I think it, maybe it was more of a class thing. I didn't really think feminism was for me. I thought the language was completely and utterly exclusive. In an uh, academic sense. Yeah. Mm. And I, I was from, you know, I, I already was fighting for my own rights in my world. I don't but know. you were doing it. You were living it. Yeah, but it was, I did, maybe I just didn't think it was for me. Mm. And what I meant by that is I didn't think that, I, think, I thought it was for another class of people. Mm. Yeah, I don't think you're alone there. I, don't, I think that still happens. So, and yeah, when I got to art college, then we got into this really masculine t- uh, mode of production and that's and and I think that's only just changing now like any piece of work that was made from a female perspective was um irrelevant irrelevant mm. yeah and that's why I think I mean that last show that you had but all of your work is uh, is obviously feminine but often made out of big you know like heavy materials or cast or bronze or well, well even a lot of the kind of the family a feminine dialogue now is not necessarily a feminine space anymore. Mm. You know, so even all that's changing so quickly. And so I, I think I always want to come back to from a human being. Yeah. And I never wanted to be, make grand gestures about life or death, but maybe I think that's really <laughs> yeah, that's what you're that's where I'm going. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like, <laughs> oh. And also, you know, this this thing about truth, this quest for truth, this quest for reality, yeah, I put my hand up, I'm, I'm one of them. <laughs> I, I still don't know what truth is, and I'm still looking for it, and um, I still believe in it, but it's, uh, it's very elusive. Mm. Do you sleep well? Like a rock. Oh, do you? Yeah. Interesting. So does anything keep you awake at night? Yeah, I suppose, you know, when, when I am in that white knuckle ride space, and of course, I've, it doesn't mean to say I'm not anxious in, in the day. <laughs> I've always been a good sleeper. Maybe that's my sanity. Yeah, me too. But the, but the things that when you're in that, that, what do you call it, white knuckle? White knuckle ride, you ride, know. Just before you've finished making a work, in the middle of making a work. In ride. the middle. So are the things that you worry about what people will think about it? Not in that space. You're just... You're wanting to see something, you're wanting to recognise something in the work that is beyond what you know. And that is the space that you're looking for. And if you don't see it, then that's the, the thing that gives me, that makes me anxious. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's revealing something beyond what you know. And um, 
So it's kind of like a process of learning, in a way, of of a truth. I <laughs> know, <laughs> is that Leo? What the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> it's true, though. It's true, though. It's funny because I'm only starting to realise that there's these similarities between nearly every conversation. <laughs> and... You know, speaking to Lou, it was interesting talking about the process of making. It's often unknown, but through it, you learning about yourself something that you don't know, or like um, re- that idea of revealing something more than what you already yeah. know. I know. I love Lou said to me um, towards the end of the last show. She said, "Are you embarrassed? Are you embarrassed enough?" <laughs> <laughs> and I went, "Oh, maybe not enough." You know, oh, and this good, is this thing it? of, of mm-hmm. how we, you know, we all have. Um, I suppose even structures even when I've heard myself saying something over Mm. and over I start to question it I start to think why are you saying that hasn't that changed yet Hmm. you know what can you add to that you know I think even if I've written something quite I don't want that to become a truth I need it to change Mm. and I need it to challenge your work has that sort of like that's the constant is that it's always changing the way that it looks and I mean there are some motifs that carry through but that is the constant in your work is that you're constantly pushing for a new way of digging or mining that stuff yeah and it's because it's still the same stuff <laughs> but it's just Must be deep <laughs> I know where the fuck is it? where's the bottom <laughs> yeah but um I'm going I'm going back to England this year and I do remember when I was, um, you know, growing up in that kind of whole puberty stage, my brothers used to physically fight a lot. Mm. So I'm going to try and draw from that aggression now. So maybe look at something that is aggression and I don't know how I'm going to pull that out again, but it's always in there. Mm. Yeah, we're going off off on a tangent now. No, no, it's Um, letting it out. It's It's a conduit to sort of let it surface up to the top or something yeah in a way but do you set yourself a a brief when you're at the start of that way that that way of um, finding or digging or traveling Mm. is there a brief then or does the brief sort of reveal itself or no I it's always like so even from uh, mother holding something Mm. horrific the amount of questions that I that opened up and in so many different areas so I'm, I'm just I'm just constantly following through on one body of work. Mm. It'll always be one body of work, mm. but it just keeps morphing and changing mm. and opening up. Mm. So from that, uh, um, when I was working with Anika, she uh, it was only about four months before the show. She asked me whether um, I'd found the horrific, <laughs> and I said, "No, I don't think I have. I have to go back to England." Mm. And when I was back there, there were things that I couldn't do, and this is one of them. So it, yeah, it's already in. It's already been processed in a way, but it's just finding a way to do it. Mm. And do you think that that comes with as you get older, you have you um, learn different, you have different perspective or something. You have different ways of seeing that. Um, yes, yeah. Like maybe now I want to really see the pain, mm. whereas maybe before I couldn't. I wouldn't know how to show that. Well, you blocked it out. Or you I just no. Mm. I'm not scared of pain. Mm. I'm what, oh, that sounds really kind of. No, I don't mean it as in. <laughs> no, because it's, um, it's not that you want to invite it. Mm. But you want to stare it down. This, I'm, I'm looking of it from now to the past. So I now I can actually, I can, you can see it. Mm. Whereas maybe when you're in something, you can't see it. 
So even that's with a body of work, sometimes it takes even a year or so before you can actually go back and cherry pick some of your mm. past ideas or even mm. sketches of, of ideas. And you can then say, okay, I can see that now. I always want to be one of those people that can see it at the time. <laughs> but that's not, that's very rare, isn't it? And then you might make a big mistake and choose the wrong one at the time. I think it's really interesting. It's almost like you gather some skills or resilience almost to get through when you're in the pain. If you use that as an example, it's too hard to make work about it when you're in it because you're just trying to get through it. But then afterwards, maybe you've got a certain resilience from getting through it that yeah. you can look back at it and dissect it. Or, Well, it's doing the research and then it's allowing, um, allowing you to be kind of really poke at it intuitively and subjectively. And so yeah, it can get messy and mm. then you can rein it back in again. So you are in control in the end, but it's just allowing something to come out. For, yeah, for example... Um, I'm going back to try and find these uh, people that I was um, stranded on an island with. Actually stranded on an island. Yeah, it was called Operation Rally. It was, um, so we were all dumped on this island for three months and we had to survive. But it was in the 80s. It was pre these Survivor pre shows. And I've never seen them since then. Was it a project? It was, I think it was like empowering youth. I think I was 24 and, you, you know, but it was, I think they were doing, they were, what, they were kind of man-watching, they were looking at society. So, for example, they were looking at the structures of how the alpha structures... Like the, Lord of the Flies. Yeah, it was a bit like that. <laughs> wow. And so I'm, I've never contacted these people since and I've only had one, I had one roll of 35 mil. I even want to know what it looked like. I don't even know what it looked like. I've just got the memories in my head, and I know I can't trust that. Have you got the photographs, though? I've got the 35. Yeah, yeah I've got a, a roll of 35. Yeah. Um, but they're, you know, they're, they're these formal groupings of people yeah. going to try and interview, see if our memories kind of, what are the stories in that, and then try and find um, these images as well. So then what I'll do with that might be completely different. I might just take one of the stories and reenact it and make it up, mm. rechange it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what I will do with all that information, but it won't be a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. No, it sounds amazing. It sounds like it'll be sort of like a contemporary version of Lord of the Flies, but it might not. You never know. It might not. It might be really boring. What happens if you get back there and you think, hmm? What They're all they? really boring. They are. <laughs> There'll be something I can see. There'll be something. Or even what are they doing now with their lives, you know? Mm. And I don't want, you know, again, it's that whole thing about using. I'm not, I don't want to use. Mm. I just, so that's where fiction comes into play. I love that about your work, that there's these layers of fiction and that even when I was talking to someone about your show, they didn't realise that that photo was of you giving birth. They just assumed it was like a found photo or, a, yeah. or a, a layer of fiction. or So sometimes that when it's real, it's almost jarring amid the fiction. But, but fiction plays a big role, doesn't it? Yeah, and also I sent that photograph in when I finished Goldsmiths in the 90s. So we, you know, there's all these competitions you can, you know, when you first leave art college. Um, I sent that into the ICA. I was like, I had a child. I hadn't done much artwork. It was, it was really like, fuck it, that's what I've produced. Yeah. And, you know, it, of course, it, it, it didn't get through, but it's really interesting. It, 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 
that's always been there in the back of my head that I have tried to put it into the art space. Well, that's interesting because it's a bit, it is taboo to do that and it still is, but there's a lot more women now sort of talking about that or letting that messy, that's the messiness there, right there, like right out on the table, you know, letting it be. I also like the, what I liked about that image was that it, it oscillated between the space of a naked female leaning on the floor, Hmm. uh, kneeling on the floor, two people fully clothed sat on the side just watching, and one with a clipboard. And it was in a domestic environment. So, you know, there was was another space in there for something else to happen. Mm. That was what was interesting about that image. It wasn't necessarily the birth. No, as an image on its own without knowing the story. Yeah, so you've always got space within a work for someone else to bring their, their stuff to it. They're reading to it. But, it, yeah, it's interesting because this is also a similarity that everyone talks about is that the, the works that we find most powerful are the ones that are exposing a part of ourselves that's quite real and raw um, but then also just open enough or mysterious enough for people to put their own face on that or their own image or their own fear into that or their yeah. own shame or something that has a hook but then enough space to yeah. let it be theirs or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm. I'm not a fan of overtly didactic work. Mm. I. I don't need to be told how to think and feel. Mm. And maybe that might be a female. You know, no, I don't think it's just a female space. But I think there's something female about the not being wed to one particular medium. I think there's something that I've noticed that women work through distinct different periods of time where they sort of change and often childbirth brings up a vulnerability or like an opens you up a bit to sort of be less attached to those things before but maybe not maybe that's just some people probably not I mean maybe personally Mm. probably not in the artwork but Mm. personally I think yeah yeah, definitely you kind of go what the hell did I do with my time and my life before this moment (laughs) well there's that but you also give up if you were a control freak before then you also have to have you relinquish some control just through that pure act that a lot of men don't experience or understand that that feeling of just giving it away then you think oh why do I insist on control all the time yeah or maybe you can let yourself as you said before have that allow for a big open messy allow, uh, no control or losing control as part of your process to then yeah regroup and regain control plus the fact you're being controlled by a, another little thing it's just <laughs> sucking on you you know yeah. it, and it's really that i found really quite confronting mm, yeah i can't imagine you couldn't find that confronting <laughs> i know i remember feeling like what the hell this thing's actually <laughs> attached to me all the time like a parasite <laughs> get off or the or the dreams before you have it where you imagine i had these dreams where i imagined it be coming out with hooves or <laughs> some kind of weird alien thing growing inside you it's like i'm not telling it what to do it's just there and always there and then as they get older still there (laughs) in a different way well your son was involved in your last work wasn't he yes yeah look it's it's I think also that's an interesting thing for me to look at now I think initially 
we all draw from our, our friends and our family and, and people to help us. And then you, you get to the point where you think, well, actually, I need to kind of stop that. Mm. Because, yeah, I think initially you, you, it's very difficult to get a bunch of people to constantly be doing something for you for nothing. Yeah. Unless they know you or it's reciprocal. Or, repeatedly. And that's what, yeah, <laughs> repeatedly. And yeah. that's a problem in the art world. Yeah. So therefore we do draw on the same kind of friendship groups and family. And I think it's, again, it's not until you can actually, you make a decision, right, well, I'm, maybe I'm going to take longer to do this work and save some money so I can afford to pay somebody else. Yeah. So those decisions that come through experience, I think. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think we've probably reached the end of our chat and that experience has been excellent chatting to you and I, I really am very thankful in getting to hear those personal, you know, private insights. So thank you so much, Claire. Oh, thanks, Ty. I don't think I've ever belly laughed like that in a recorded conversation before. But at the same time, I feel a renewed sense of awe and mystery about the process of making art and how it can reveal new truths for each of us. I love the way that Claire spoke about the freedom of research and inquiry stage of making work and how for her it is very much about digging up memories, drawing on aggression and finding the horrific in her past. I can only hope that I will be able to look back on my life as one body of work in the same way that Claire does with hers. This conversation was recorded for the series A World of Her Own as part of the exhibition Unfinished Business, Perspectives on Art and Feminism at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art. It was recorded by me, Ty Snape. I'm an artist for those of you who don't know my work. If you liked exploring Claire's world with me today, you might like to delve into some other worlds by downloading more episodes directly from the ACCA website. Visit www.acca.melbourne where you will find the World of Her Own link under Programs or from SoundCloud if you visit soundcloud.com forward slash ACCA underscore Melbourne. I would like to give a big thanks to Beck Fari for audio post-production and Melbourne musician Fia, spelt P-H-I-A, for letting us use this track, End of the Day, from her album, The Ocean of Everything. Thanks for listening to this episode from Season 1. The podcast now lives at tysnaith.com, so head over there for more information about the show and the artists I'm speaking to in Season 2. And thanks again to Acker for all their support with Season 1.